Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the Clipset Podcast. The summer rolls along and we are back with some news. We were primed for an emergency podcast. We were ready. I told, I texted Brian. I said, if something crazy happens, we're going to jump on and give the people what they want. You know, a little. And early. I texted back. I texted back. I'm doing fine. Thank you for asking. That's right. Uh, <laughs> and I will continue to blow him off. Anyway, no, um, but nothing crazy happened. There might have been something crazy, but nothing crazy happened. Pretty, pretty ho hum offseason so far. Some significant things have happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. which we will cover in great detail or not in the clips that way. We will find out as we go along. First question, though, is Brian, how you doing? Wow. Uh, unprepared for that question. <laughs> I am doing well. I'm doing well. Um, chugging along here in, in summer in L.A. Uh, maybe the first time in my life as a translucent uh, person that I've kind of been enjoying the uh, summer heat a little bit been spending some really? more time outside and yeah I mean my shoulders are uh, basically just cancer at this point but um, <laughs> um, I'm enjoying it having fun living the cancer life I got a birthday this weekend so I'm looking forward to relaxing and uh, you know avoiding COVID as I have yeah. for the last couple of years so uh, yeah that's that's how I'm doing how about yourself you know I'm doing all right it's pretty crazy out here uh, with the co on the COVID front, uh, yeah. be careful out there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the news is not good, and I think we're all just ignoring it collectively. So, uh, I hope that you you don't get COVID uh, on your birthday weekend. That would be a real bummer. Um, also, ladies and gentlemen, make an appointment with your dermatologist this summer. Okay, get that mole checked out. <laughs> all right, uh, skin cancer is a real thing, um, and you need to be careful about that. I'm doing all right. I'm doing I'm doing OK. I'm on the hunt for an apartment. So, you know, that's that's a I whole got a, thing. I got a guy named uh, I got a guy named Yovan you might want to talk to uh, <laughs> who would be able to help you out with that and let you know how the walkthroughs are. Don't spoil my track of the week. OK. All right. So let's <laughs> let's jump in. Let's yeah. jump into uh, the Clippers offseason so far. OK. Mm -hmm. Number one. Let's start with some good news. Okay, Nicholas Batum and Amir Coffee are back. So Brian, back. I would I would like for you to uh, break down in great detail the Clippers signings of Amir Coffee and Nicholas Batum. Well, first of all, I think there was a little bit of worry when Batum opted out. So getting him back is awesome. Um, you know, even though there was a little bit of like uncertainty when that happens you know because that does open the door for him to leave i think most most people were like ah, he's he's coming back he wants to be here he made that very clear during the regular season um specifically in a couple post-game comments that he made about loving being here and finding a home and all of that but he got some some well-earned money um i don't remember off the top of my head the the raise he got but it was a bit of a raise it's a two-year deal right yeah two, he, he got the reggie deal for, he got two for 20 yeah two for 20 uh, Amir, he got converted in the 11th hour of last season, and he got a two-year 11 million deal. Three. Three. Is it three? Oh, 311. That's right. 311. I made the joke about it being, you know, coming original and all that. But, beautiful disaster. Um, yeah. He, it's, it's beautiful. I wouldn't call it a disaster. I love it. It just makes me happy for Amir. You know, team stuff aside, yeah. success, all of that aside, so happy to see Amir, who has worked so hard to get to where he is to get a guaranteed contract. He's got a deal. He's going to be making good money. And, you know, he was a crucial part of this team this last season. Obviously, there was a lot of reliance and over-reliance on, on role players and rotation players with the stars out. But, man, he took a huge step in his game this year. And three for 11 for the production that he had, if he keeps that up, that's a deal. I, I love that. Yeah. It's yeah, that's it's so team friendly. It obviously he's, you know, in the NBA now without question. He is an NBA player. Um, and yeah, it's just it's super cool to have him back. And I and it shores up that depth that is making this Clippers team look like, you know, Vegas odds favorites for a title next year. You know, they're, they're one of the top teams right now that everybody's looking at saying they stay healthy. That team might win the title and, and it's that depth 
guys like Amir finding that, keeping guys like Batum around that I think is, is putting them in that position. Yeah, for sure. I, I think both deals are great. Um, I think Amir has the possibility to be a home run. Uh, locking yeah. him up for three years at a number that low is pretty insane to me. I don't know why. It's he... low risk, high reward. Yeah, exactly. It, if it if he kind of reverts back to who he was, he's still good enough to be your 14th, 15th guy. Um, but if he is able to continue his play from last season when he is called upon, then it's a home run because you know that as guys kind of age out and, and start to drop off the roster, you have someone who is capable of being in the rotation, being a plus rotation player, sort of waiting in the wings. No pun intended. Um, the, the Nick Batum thing uh, makes me feel like they are confident that Nick is going to be able to continue his level of play and also kind of increase his level of play. Um, yeah. I know last year, he was on a shadow minutes restriction. It wasn't really a shadow minutes restriction, but it was never explicitly said, but everybody knew, yes, he is on a minutes restriction um, and they're trying to keep his body right. So uh, I am hoping that this longer off season allows him to come in a little bit fresher than he did last year. And he's able to kind of get back to that form that he was in the year before. Not that he had a bad year last year. He was still excellent and impactful and all that stuff, but it would be nice to kind of get, you know, the guy who almost beat, the, the Hydra Brooklyn Nets by himself that one time uh, in one of the best games of the season two seasons ago. That I mean, that's the biggest thing is is he was still good last year. Yeah. And, and he was good for a guy that got a 17 minute vacation before training camp started because he was in the Olympics and, right. and all. It. So like, yeah, like if that's what you get from an exhausted Batum, obviously you're not looking at a player who's young enough to be taking big steps in their game. But. I do think you get a better version of him after he has a true offseason. Right. Yeah. And and I think to be able to consistently count on 28 minutes a night instead of 24, 22 minutes a night would be great. Um, yeah. So, but also hopefully with 375,000 players on the roster, maybe he only has to play 22 to 24 minutes a night, but at an extremely high right. level. So, <laughs> um, I'm I'm most excited about the Amir Coffee thing. I think Nico being locked up for the next two years is obviously a big boon. And as the guy who coined the term Batum Battalion, uh, I'm very excited that we get to continue to have that stolen from us by the team. But uh, the Amir Coffee thing is really exciting <laughs> for me because I do see him being sort of uh, not a linchpin, but like he's absolutely one of those players that could kind of make this roster special versus, you know, elite. Because having yeah. another guy like that who's young, who can extend the window, all the stuff that we've been talking about for the last couple of years. I think Amir Coffee is someone that I never sold my stock on. I was always very high on. I wanted him to play. And, um, hopefully he continues to reward us um, yep. for our faith in him. So um, I think that's it, right? That's the only thing that happened this offseason is we signed those two guys and there were no other signings, right? That was it. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us this week. <laughs> Um, let's, let's, let's get to, um, the elephant of the room before we get to the Isaiah Hartenstein stuff. Um, because yeah. I think these two things are, are intertwined. Um, John Wall is finally a Clipper, um, after a long and loud courting by the LA Clippers of John Wall. He is finally a Clipper. He got the full, well, not, not quite yet. There's a commitment. He is not signed yet, I believe. We'll see, but it has been announced that he is going to sign. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Um, oh no, no, he's in. He's in the. He he did that that thing. He's like finally signed. I think he did sign. Um, okay, he, okay. He posted that video of him doing. It was very uncomfortable. Okay, it was not my the best first impression as a Clipper. Him flexing and going ah back at it or something like that. It was very uncomfortable. I didn't like it. But yeah, I haven't he, been that online lately. So it's okay. Don't worry about it. You're not missing much. Um, it's just a game of chicken between Kevin Durant and the entire NBA. So, um, well, Kevin Durant, the Nets, and the entire NBA. He's finally a John Wall. John Wall. Finally, (laughs) preamble over. Um, before let's let's talk about this in stages, okay? Um, let's just talk about John Wall, and then we can talk about some of some other stuff that might have been like either or opportunities there. How do you feel about John Wall finally being a Clipper? Yeah, I'm I don't have a major issue with it. You know, I I think when we were talking about John Wall during the regular season 
and all of that, there there was a ton of apprehension from both of us. And and for me personally, I hated it because it was being talked about in terms of a trade. And for the amount of money he was making, the amount you would have to give up to get him, not worth it. He was clearly not worth the money that he was making in Houston. But on the the mid-level taxpayer mid-level exception, six and a half a year, totally fine with it. Right. Like it's it's another one of those. Sure, there are other things, you know, other guys we could have potentially gotten with that money. But John Wall for six and a half. Again, you know, it, it's kind of a low risk, high reward, right? Like if if he obviously a little bit shaky the last few years, but if, if he comes in and, and is serviceable and looks, you know, obviously we're not going to get 2014 John Wall, but. If if you get a, a halfway decent John Wall at that, great. I love it. I, I think it could help out there. There are a lot of things that he does that I think that can absolutely help the team. It'll be interesting to see how things work out in training camp and whether or not he starts or doesn't. And that's, you know, that might we might not even know that answer until after the all-star break because Ty is going to be playing around with different things. But I like it for for the money. You know, he he was just at Summer League sitting courtside, what, yesterday? Yeah. And he looked thin. I got nervous. John Wall's in Vegas. The last time we saw John Wall in Vegas, uh, he came out looking a little. Uh, it a was little rough. He looked a, that picture. Yeah, was he looked, wild. Yeah, he looked a little Vegas. He looked a little too Vegas. Uh, that was the Team USA trip, yeah. right? He looked like um, he had been and, in Vegas for like nine months chasing his first gambling bet. Like, that's what he looked like. Well, he looked like I do when I leave Vegas and I'm not a professional athlete, which is why that's concerning. But he looked like he was in shape. He looked good, you know, um, better than he did last time he was there. And and if if he's in shape and ready to go, I've I've got no problem with it. I think that there's a lot that he can do to help this team. You know, like I, I'm not expecting 35 minutes a night from John Wall, but 15, 20 minutes. Totally fine with that. Yeah, for sure. It is. It is good that he does not look like. Uh, the way a camel wide feels as you smoke it, but um, I it's a very niche joke did, for my cigarettes. Did he look there. that good? <laughs> God, the camel wide experience just a disaster. Um, if you're smoking first, camel first cigarette I ever smoked, first cigarette I ever smoked, a wide really, a wide yeah yeah wow. Um, anyway, uh, that's enough of sig set. Um, so <laughs> the job- he's a Virginia Slim now. <laughs> Please, God. Um, <laughs> here's the deal. Everybody knows how I feel about John Wall. I was, I was a little bit farther, uh, from you know, past the like. I don't like this. I was pretty vehemently against bringing in John Wall, specifically in the in the event of a trade. Okay. Um, I am somewhat uneasy with the John Wall idea right now. I, I think. My real feeling is that it is a generally low risk, moderate reward move. I think that the most we can get out of John Wall is going to be okay, like a role player, like a, a fine role player. I don't think we're getting, um, obviously mark this and dunk on me, whatever, if I'm wrong. I'm happy to be wrong about this, but I just don't think you're going to get a star. I don't think you're going to get someone who should be a starter. That I don't think that that's in the cards. Okay. Um, I know that everybody wants to point at the 20 points per game in Houston, um, but that was empty calories, and it was also one of his lower efficiency seasons across the board for a guy who's a fairly low efficiency player. Um, go ahead. I would say I would say that I I totally hear you on that. The thing for me that keeps me optimistic about it is this is almost. The exact same conversation we had when Nick Batum came over. His career is done. Probably not going to start. Bring him off the bench. You know, all that stuff. And the Clippers have shown that they can take, you know, very money ball in that aspect that they're taking guys that are seemingly past their prime and revitalize them a little bit. So that that gives me optimism. I will say, though, that Nick Batum had a skill set that made sense. Right. In terms of like, if I see the fully actualized version of this, I think it is something this team could use and could need. Okay. I am of the opinion that the point guard thing is totally overblown. Right. I've been on that for months, for years, whatever it is. I don't think this team needs a quote unquote real point guard. And I know that real hoopers know that 
the te- every team needs a floor general. It's not true. It's just flatly not true. You just don't need a floor general in the, in today's NBA. Anyway, whatever. Besides, the I'm point. not. Yeah, and I'll also say I'm not looking at John Wall as being that kind of player. I'm looking at him more as like a north south guy. Right. But again, th- this is sort of what I'm going to talk about. If you are expecting explosive teeth of the defense, John Wall, he is not that guy anymore. He has not been that guy. Um, and I think that another worry that I have is on a team that is trained by Jason Powell and has a litany of injury you know, issues, a dude who's only played 113 games since the 2016-2017 season, that's a problem. Yeah. 113 games since Barack Obama was in office. Like, that's not a joke. That's, that's a fact. Um, that is two, that is two presidential, like, changes ago and one coup. Okay. We had a coup and <laughs> a different election. Okay. It's, if, if you're looking at this signing and thinking, okay, maybe we can get a solid backup point guard out of this, a dude who can give us, anywhere between 16 to 22 minutes a night and just provide competent level, you know, juice, a little, you know, not terrible defense, all that stuff. That's fine. I I can give you that. I can be all aboard. I can say, okay, I can see that as a ceiling. But if you think that this dude is going to be starting and playing 28 to 32 minutes a game, 34, 36, 38 minutes a game, and isn't going to be a liability in some ways, I, I just don't think you're looking at this in in the realm of reality. Um, he's been dealing with injuries since that season, the Barack Obama season, including his year in Houston. So people like to think, oh, he was just sat down. No, that was just the last, you know, 15, 20 games of the season. He dealt with injuries throughout the year. He was on and off the court that season. Um, John Wall is a high assist percentage guy. He does set his teammates up. I know that there's all those things about how he generates looks. Um, and it was like, since 2016, he's generated the most corner threes other than LeBron James, right? I just don't know if that skill set still exists in the way that it did, right? If you're looking at it for this dude to be someone who blows by guys and sets people up, he doesn't necessarily have that anymore. That's part of his skill set is what is diminished because of the litany of injuries. It's not that he's a totally negative player. I don't think that he's going to be this huge detriment on the team and, and all such stuff. And I feel like if John Wall single-handedly saves or tanks this season, something else has gone terribly, terribly wrong. So I have some numbers here if you want to get to them. Do it. So um, like I said, he's a high assist percentage guy every year. I looked at uh, cleaning the glass for this stuff. Uh, he's been middle of the pack and assisted usage rate. He's a really high usage player. Um, he has high turnover rates. He has never been an efficient scorer. Uh, he's been okay at drawing fouls, um, which is, is something that I think this team needs. You know, I think him and Norm, especially if it's off the bench, having two guys who can draw fouls, it's going to be big because this team, yeah. team has had a real issue with that. Um, and defensively, he doesn't foul. So I will give him that defensively. Um, He's also kind of big, 6'3", six, 6'3", three, six, three point guard, big long wingspan, which is good. Um, something that the, the team seems to be leaning into, which I am appreciative of. Um, but the, in that 16-17 year, he had the second most transition possessions per game. And he had 1.12 points per possession, which is the 55th percentile. So middle of the pack in terms of his actual point production. Um, right. But he was driving a lot. and he had the fourth most drives that season, uh, drives per game. He had the fourth most points per game from drives, and he was shooting 50.9% on drives. 17-18 uh, is when the injuries started. Uh, he had the fourth most possessions in terms of transition possessions, but only 0.95 points per possession, which is the 21st percentile. He had the seventh most drives, 12th most point per game for, uh, from drives, and his field goal percentage dropped to 46.9%. 18-19, um, he had 0.94 points per possession. He was in the 18th percentile in terms of transition opportunities. Um, his driving um, efficiency went back up to 54.1%. Then he misses an entire year. Um, and he comes back in Houston. 
He had a steep drop in efficiency at the rim, both in shots in the restricted area and on layups. He only shot 50% on layups in Houston, um, which I believe is a Russell Westbrookian number, along with his um, transition um, points per possession. He had the 21st most possessions in transition, 0.95 points per possession. Again, 20th percentile. Uh, Norm Powell that season had similar volume and produced 1.21 points per possession, which was in the 70th percentile. Uh, 14th most in drives, 14th most in point per game from drives, and again, sub-50 on his field goal percentage from drives. Um, so I think if, if you look at the data sort of in the aggregate, his blow-bys have also gone down. I've seen stats on that. Um, and so that explosiveness that he used to leverage the defense to generate these open looks has started to erode because these injuries have, have mounted. Some people are going to say, well, yeah, he's had, you know, a year and a half off and it's going to be fine because he's had that time off and he's going to be fresh. I just don't, it's like, it's quick twitch. It's not fatigue. I just don't know if he can generate that stuff. And when you're looking at a guy who is shooting 32% on his mid-range jumpers for the last four years and has never been a good mid-range shooter, 33% on his 1,186 jump shots since 2016, it's an issue. He doesn't yeah. take corner threes because he has the ball in his hands. But he's been fine on catch and shoot threes, but he's only taken 307 over his last 113 games. Right. I would, I, I mean, I, I hear all of that, and those are all legitimate concerns. I will say, though, specifically to the last two seasons where he's been in Houston, he's been the, when he's on the court, he's the only guy defenses need to worry about in Houston. Like that but, team has just been bad, and he's gotten more attention than anybody else on the floor. But that doesn't that doesn't account for blow buys. No, right? but it'll count for for efficiency. I mean, you can say that. I just I, I watched him in Houston. Like I watched him play basketball because I wanted him to be better than Harden. Yeah. Sorry, no, not Harden. Russ. I wanted him to go to Houston with James Harden and play better than Russell Westbrook did because I don't like Russell Westbrook as a basketball player. Um, and I wanted everybody to be proven wrong or whatever, blah, 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 in that trade. Yeah. And, and I watched and like there were seven games where he looked really good. And then after that, it just wasn't the same. He's just yeah. not the same guy. Right. And so. Again, it, it sounds like I'm shitting on John Wall and it's because I am and, and I shouldn't be. OK, I, I shouldn't be because I really do feel like this is a low risk move. However, I get frustrated any time there is a large portion of the population that believes something. That I just don't think is based on reality. Oh, like it being framed as a big three, you know, nationally and all sorts of stuff. It bothers me because if John Wall is our third best player, the Clippers have a lot of fucking problems. Yeah. And I'm so, just not hung up on the semantics of it. Like, I think in a lesser role on a better team, there's more opportunity for him to be the better version of himself. Right. And I hope that's true. And I hope I'm wrong. And I hope he comes out and he's great and he is a starter and he makes me look like an idiot. Okay. That's what I hope. Right. But when we were talking about this, this off season in our group chats, my number one complaint is I don't think he's actually better than 10 guys in our rotation. And for him to get yeah. this, the taxpayer mid level means that he is going to be getting significant minutes. And for the report to come out that Ty Lu said, it's going to be a competition for the starting point guard. Like, that bothers me because that means that they are going to impose John Wall on this thing. Or that could be a motivation thing. Like, hey, you could start, but you got to prove it. So come into camp and show us that you can be that guy. I guess. Right? Like, I don't it, know. Yeah, it just I'm I don't think Ty is going to come out and say, yeah, there's no way he's starting. Like, I, I don't think that that does any good for any of the players. Right. Like, I think that it's good to have a certain level of competition there so that that, you know, we, we saw it with with um, Giles and Hartenstein last last season, right? In the uh, in the training camp. And so, like, I think it's just that motivation thing. And Ty has shown over his career, he has no problem, no matter who you are. If you're not good, you're coming out of the game. You're not playing. He's done that with players. And so if there is a coach and a culture and a a a, you know, gathering of guys in a team that know how to get the best out of somebody and know when not to use them, it is this Clippers team. That's fair. And and the catch and shoot numbers that I kind of glossed over, you know, he is shooting, I think, like 39% in those the these, you know, injury injury riddled yeah. seasons on catch and shoot threes. 
it's not a huge volume. You know, it's 307 attempts over, you know, three partial seasons. Um, but that is, that is somewhat, um, encouraging. However, again, like, I think I just keep circling back to if you want John Wall to be effective, you have to have the ball in John Wall's hands. So his ability to like spot up isn't really going to be there. And I know he's going to get more opportunities with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And like, I think this is really, if I'm being honest with you, this is a philosophical like complaint that I have, right? Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are our best players. We have watched this offense look its best when Paul George has the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. When Kawhi Leonard has the ball in his hands. And this idea that taking the ball out of their hands makes them better is something that I just fundamentally don't agree with. Right. I saw them try it with Rondo. I saw them try it in different ways. And it's just like the way that they look best is operating around the gravity of those two guys having the ball in their hands, having them, you know, having Paul George coming off, you know, screens, Paul George initiating offense. Kawhi Leonard operating from the post. That's when they look their best. And and to be like, oh no, they need a point guard. And it's like, honestly, too, I'm I'm pissed because Larry looked at us and lied. <laughs> he lied. He lied to us. He said, I don't really think about it that way anymore. We don't need, you know, a true initiator point guard, you know, blah, 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 blah. We're not looking for that. We understand now that we just need initiators, connectors, and finish. Like he gave me this whole, like, oh my God, he finally gets it. We have two apex wings that need the ball in their hands. We need as many guys around them that can play off that. And then he was like, oh, let me get a guy who needs the ball in his hands and can't shoot. And we, we keep doing this. And it's just. Yeah, I mean, but that's also that that that's frustrating for you under the assumption that he's starting. We don't know that that's true. I, I don't know. He man. might not be sharing the floor give with those two guys all the time. If you're not going to give him real time. I mean, look, we've seen Batum come in and out of the starting lineup. We've seen Marcus Morris come in and out of the starting lineup. Like it's it's definitely there to happen. And I for the other thing on John Wall, I would say is this is probably the best spacing he's had on a team in six years, which I think helps out what he's able to do in terms of being a guy to like get the ball on a cut and then throw it back out to somebody. Right. The the drive and kick that we talk about with this offensive system. With that spacing around him, I think it puts him in the best position to optimize that offensive system as the passer that you were talking about. Being able to set guys up and know that when that ball's going out to somebody, it's somebody that's going to hit it 40% of the time. Right. No, he's absolutely in a place that should be able to maximize what he's able to do to the best of his abilities. I understand that. Yeah. But I'm not in the I'm not interested in maximizing John Wall. John Wall isn't isn't the person I'm concerned with getting the most out of. It's Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Right. But if you can maximize John Wall, get those guys some more rest, I think you're maximizing them in the long term come postseason. I, I, I guess. I, I just yeah, I don't know. It just philosophically this move bothers me. Because okay. it goes against everything that this team should be come playoff time. Right. And if we're I mean, not I getting get those reps in and we're just, you know, chugging along doing the we have one guy who brings the ball up the floor and runs a pick and roll. And, you know, it's like it's just the versatility and excitement of this roster is something that I feel is going to be lessened because we have to watch someone bring the ball up the floor and be a fucking floor general. Like, I, we don't need that. And maybe he's not going to do that. Maybe he's not. Maybe I'm maybe I'm yeah. overreacting to this and, and I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to admit that again. I could be wrong. It's just, it bothers me so much to my core that we're doing this again. Oh, let's let's take the ball out of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's hand. Let's oh, let's get them some. No, we don't need to get them any fucking rest. Get them reps, being the best player on their team. There's two of them. That's why yeah. we have two. We got I mean, two the, I I still think they'll have tons of reps. For me, it's you got to survive the regular season, and this is a move that could possibly help us survive in the regular season. For two guys that we know are not going to play 82 games and and having them healthy and ready and and as rested as possible going into the postseason is of the utmost importance. And if maximizing John Wall helps with that, I'm all for it. I guess. But who is he replacing in the rotation? That's my question to you. Is it, do you want him I mean, playing I, over Luke Kennard? Do you want him no, playing I over? Yeah, I think Powell? he should be playing with with Luke Kennard. Right. But there, there's just not enough. There's not enough spaces. So who do you want his minutes to come from? 
do you want Reggie Jackson not to play anymore? Do you want no, Lucanard not to play anymore? Do you want Norman You're Powell also not talking to play? about a fully healthy roster, and we know that's not going to happen. Right. But, the, I mean, that's, uh, again, this goes back to the question we had, I think. Minutes will find themselves. I guess. It's just, if he's going to be taking minutes from dudes who fit better around Kawhi and Paul George, I'm going to be mad. Okay. And that's what it looks like it, it is going to happen. Anyway, so let's let's get to the second part, right? The Clippers yeah. reportedly had a deal done for Mike Conley and then pivoted once Wall got bought out. Would you rather have John Wall or Mike Conley? What's Conley's number? 22, I think. So it would be like yeah. Marcus and something. Or Luke yeah. and something. J- John Wall. Because we got him for cheaper uh, and kept those other guys. You keep the depth. Um, and Mike Conley, you know, very similar to everything you were just saying, the last couple of years has not looked good and also is an injury concern. So, yeah, I'm 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 good with John Wall over that, especially at the number and and retaining guys. Yeah, at least Mike Conley can shoot, though. I know that he can do that. You know what I mean? Right. But he's he's fallen off a cliff defensively, too, though. Like, you right. know what I mean? Like, but are, it's, are it's you sure that John Wall is good defensively? No, but I, I like the idea of his length. Yeah, you know, no, his, for sure. I, I think arms. I'd rather have John Wall in theory defensively. Yeah, um, and I love Mike Conley. I'll say this: I love Mike Conley, but I just don't think he's that guy anymore. All right. Uh, anyway, okay. I also know that John Wall didn't want to come off the bench last season. I know it's a different situation, but yeah, part of the reason why he didn't play is he said, "No, I'm starting. I'm a starter." So I'm putting up there. Um, yeah. Well, if you know, if that's the case, maybe he'll run on the floor and glue his hand to the court or something. If he's not starting, who knows? <laughs> Is it vegan glue like that woman used? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So let's let's get to the other side of this. So we used we used the full taxpayer mid level, which most likely cost the team Isaiah Hartenstein. Yeah. Numbers were close. Let's let's talk about Hart being gone. How do you how do you feel? About Hart being gone, what do you think the impact is going to be? Are you concerned at all that he's gone? Would you rather have him than John Wall? All those questions I'm laying at your feet. It's, I mean, I, I'm i not as like hard on Hartenstein as you are, um, or have been at least. Like, I think he's serviceable. I think he's fine. Like, it's, yeah. it's cool, you know? And like, you know, we can obviously nerd out on advanced numbers and all of that stuff, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it's a bummer because the team needs another seven footer. Like, I, I think that, you know, they have every machination to put together multiple incredible small ball lineups. But I do think that you need to have a serviceable backup big. Um, and for everything that Hart does offensively and, and even, you know, flashes of, of great defense, um, you know, with block shots and stuff like that, I want somebody who's a little bouncier in, in terms of rebounding. Um, to come off the bench like yeah it's a bummer but you know you have this potential in in getting the john wall in there and seeing what that can become and and all of that and i am not i'm not a fan of paying big for seven footers like there's just so many of them that are serviceable that you can get for good deals that while it's a bummer I, it doesn't worry me all that much because there are other guys his size that the Clippers can grab on a minimum or, you know, super cheap. And so I'm that's fine with me. You know, like this is crazy, but Dwight Howard is still out there. Go yeah. grab Dwight Howard. See, see what he can give you for you 10, know, for 10 or 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like mm-hmm. I'm that I'm fine with that. Like there's I, I don't I think your money needs to go to wings. I don't think it needs to go to bigs. Yeah. I was going to, I had this later, but you know, I I've heard that they're going to wait until camp that they're going to see how everything shakes out and then camp will start and they'll bring a couple, you know, bigs in to find their 15th yeah. man. Um, which I'm fine with, you know, yeah. guys like Dwight Howard, Hassan Whiteside, can they give you 10 to 15 minutes of competent basketball night? Yeah, for sure. Do I want either of them in my locker room? Not really just yeah. because of the vibes thing. Another positive of John Wall. Is the vibes. He's one of Paul George's yeah. best friends. Keep packing the team with Paul George's friends. I'm fine with that. Um, you know, and, and I think because of the vibes, he might be more receptive to changes in roles and all that stuff. So I'm hoping that it's just worst case scenario is it's, you know, vibe city still. Yeah. Um, the Hartenstein thing is, is hard for me. 
obviously, I think I'd rather have him than John Wall at this point um, for that number. But at the same time, I look at them the same way, but just with like a different lens. They could be regular season innings eaters, and I think that's fine. I don't think either yeah. of them is going to be huge in the playoffs. Uh, my biggest concern with Hartenstein had always been this is new Trez, right? He's a very shiny, offensive, fun, you know, January against, you know, the the Bobcats or something. You know, I know the Bobcats <laughs> don't exist anymore, but you know what I mean. I like and, you started to say Hornets and stopped yourself and changed it to Bobcats. Because I remember that the Hornets were fun for like three months. And I was like, let's go back in time <laughs> to, you know, the Emeka Okafor uh, Bobcats. Um, but you know, like another part of it too, is like Hartenstein felt so essential because of how much of a disaster last season was. Yeah. Um, and his loss isn't huge in the grand scheme of things, right? I think we can find someone for 10 minutes a night, right? We don't need that guy again. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so in that, I I don't think his, his, his departure is massive. I definitely think it will hurt, right? Just chemistry, having to find another person, you know, whatever. His passing is really fun and really and really useful. Um, yeah. And I think he does a lot of good things as a backup big. Um, but again, you know, we saw it in big games last season and in both play-in games. He was a train wreck defensively and couldn't stay on the floor and was a huge problem in both games. Yeah. And so... Um, Obviously, that's something that can improve, but at the same time, like him being gone, I'm not really going to lose sleep over it. Um, yeah, but it's definitely a bummer. Um, and he was young, and he's another one of those players that you know could stay around and be a part of this middle core that goes around our stars that kind of helps them throughout the regular season. So, um, yeah, it's a bummer, but I think I think they'll be able to find something that fits this year's team you know, literally a day before the season. Like it's not really going to matter. So. Yeah. I'm not, e- even if, even if they don't have it going into the season at some point during the season, season, I think that they will be able to find somebody to fill that space and be a backup big. Right. You know, and they could absorb somebody with their, you know, TPE and, and all that stuff. There, there are options out there. It's just a matter of, are you willing to spend all that money, Steve on a backup big? You know, I, I think Lucas pointed it out. It's like, if they brought in Nerlens Noel, they're not paying the nine million that Nerlens makes. They're paying, you know, twenty seven million to take on that yeah. contract. And so, are you willing to pay a backup big twenty seven million? I don't know. I don't know about all that. So, um, <laughs> we'll we'll figure that all out. So, um, free agency is very much not done. We're still months away from the season. Um, yeah. So there is a lot that can happen. Um, and so I just wanted to ask you you know, two, two questions sort of moving us forward through the off season. Do you have any concerns about the roster? And is there a consolidation trade that you would make that is still out there and possible concerns? I mean, aside from obviously the, the injury stuff that, you know, has happened the last couple of years, the only like major concern outside of that, like availability is, the backup five, right? Like we were just talking about. Um, and even then, as I just said, not that concerned because I think that they'll be able to find somebody for it. But I do think that there needs to be another seven footer on this team. And there, you know, there needs to be somebody that can fill that role. Um, I also think that some of the holdup there too is there are a couple of bigs right now in the league that could possibly be on the move. And I think that will be the first domino of freeing up other guys and seeing what's out there, right? Like, let's see what happens with with Miles Turner. Let's see what happens with DeAndre Ayton. If those become parts of other moves, then I think that there will be, you know, uh, a like shockwave of guys being waived or whatever it is. And so I think that in terms of the big market, that's that's a big, um, you know, roadblock right now for all of that consolidation trade. Uh, it's tough to think about who's really out there and available again. You know, I, I think, uh, Brooklyn is holding a lot up there and how that shakes out, which seemingly is not going to happen because I've seen some pretty crazy asking prices from Brooklyn for, or for KD. So 
Uh, I don't know if anybody's going to meet that, but, you know, I think that there are trades to see, okay, who's on that roster? If they're really going to blow this thing up, what's going, you know, what's available there or other teams in the aftermath of a KD Kyrie, you know, movement, but nothing. I mean, I do think that there will be a consolidation at some point, but I don't think that the market has fully kind of shown itself in terms of, of what is out there and what is available. Like I could put together crazy trades for you right now that are never going to happen because teams are like, well, we're not getting rid of that guy, right? We're not giving that up. But depending on a few moving parts, that could all change. So um, yeah, not, nothing too crazy in my head right now. What about you? Um, you know, there were trades that I was basically like all in on before free agency started and before like, you know, like the KD craziness started. Um, the number one was always going to be, you know, some package involving Luke Kennard for Malcolm Brogdon. I thought that that was like a no brainer and looking at what the Celtics paid for him makes me upset because that very much could have gotten it done. You know what I mean? Like, I I think that that could have gotten it done. I think we had a better package there and not getting Malcolm Brogdon. Because you're getting John Wall on a buyout, I understand why it happened, but to me, it's just like frustrating, especially when you have a roster glut. Like you're gonna have to find minutes for these guys, right? Yeah. Um. And so, speaking of which, speaking of which, if Indiana doesn't keep Daniel Tice, that's a guy I would look at. Right. You can o- absorb him into a TPE or you know stuff like that yeah. for your backup big for sure. Or um, or if Boban doesn't stay in Houston, I'm totally fine with bringing Boban back. Five to ten minutes of Boban would be a delight. Okay. Yeah. Would be an absolute delight. Um, so yeah, to, to go to concerns really quick, I don't have a lot other than there's too many guys. There are 13 rotation players currently signed to the Clippers roster. Sorry, 12, 12 real rotation players plus Brandon Boston plus Jason Preston. Yeah. So, and those are two guys that everybody was hoping were going to get minutes this season. And I'm here to tell you. Sorry, they're not playing this season. There are 12 <laughs> NBA rotation players ahead of us. Um, so that is my biggest concern, other than health, obviously. I think we have a lot of guys who have been really banged up and have had an issue staying healthy. Batum, Morris, PG, Kawhi um, have all had their issues. John Wall has obviously had a lot of issues. Um, you know, Norm Powell had the freak foot thing because the Clippers are cursed. Um, you know, there's just like a, a bunch of dudes up and down the roster who've had issues. Um, yeah. and so that's a problem. But I think also really the biggest problem is that there's 12 NBA rotation players all making 10 million or more, basically other than John Wall. Sorry, eight, eight, maybe nine guys. I can't remember. There's like nine or 10 guys who are literally making $10 million and above. Right. Yeah. And so on any given night, you're going to have $20 million to $25 million sitting on the bench, getting a DNP CD. Right. And that's a problem. I think um, a consolidation trade has to happen at some point. It's probably not going to happen now. No. It's going to happen probably at the deadline. Yeah. Um, I think that that is kind of the plan right now um, is to keep as, you know, as many of the guys see what they have and then kind of move from there. I think that's totally fair. Seeing who becomes available, all that stuff. Um, I think another complication to a consolidation trade is the Clippers have a lot of packageable money, but none of it is short. Other than right. Reggie Jackson, um, they don't have really any expiring packageable deals, right? So um, that is something that is going to hurt them in their hunt to consolidate, because typically a consolidation is we will take on your longer term money, your longer term big money in exchange for smaller short-term money. Um, And so that that complicates things. You know, even looking at a guy like Gordon Hayward, who I would be interested in. I know we're talking about injury concerns. He is another one. Um, But since we apparently seem to be all in on that, let's bring him in. Just come on down. Everybody plays. Well, who's not an injury concern at this point in the league? Right, exactly. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Evita, Evita Zubats. If you're over the age of 26, you're an injury concern in the NBA. That's true. That's just the life of an athlete. A hundred percent true. Um, you know, I had kicked around. Do you just take back Tobias? Do you throw a couple guys and just take back about Tobias and live with it? Thought about that. Brogdon was my big one. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you look around the league and 
I'm not interested in Russ. So that's one big salary someone's trying to get rid of it. I'm not interested in Kyrie. That's another big salary that's trying to get dumped, you know. And so there's not really a lot of option at this very yeah. moment. So um, uh, I, I, I I don't see one. I don't see one happening until the deadline. No, yeah. There, there, again, there's a few roadblocks right now, and I think that more stuff will shake out and open up. It just hasn't happened yet. And I right. think that the team being patient is the best thing that they can do with that, right? Like, yeah. Because whether or not it happens, you're still very confident in this roster and this complement of dudes. So you're in a good position either way. Either something opens up and you're like, that. That's great. Let's go for that. That helps us out a lot. Right. And then you 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 make your offer or something doesn't present itself and you go, cool. Well, you know, we took this team without its best player to the conference finals. So you're good either way. Like, I, I think either way, you're confident in, in what you're doing and the course that you're on if you're the Clippers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think the last thing about consolidation trades before we move on to our last little part here. The ideal is that the vibes are so good that you don't need to make one. That yeah. all these concerns that we have go away because everybody is like, I know eventually I will have my role. There will be right. a playoff game, a playoff series where I play and somebody else doesn't. And we all want to win together. That is the kumbaya, you know, harmony, you know, whatever you want to call it. The, the Clippers commune develops and all of a sudden they're like, you know, we're all pulling in the same direction. Let's just do it together. That and that's 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 the upside of having uh, too many guys is that while you're not getting the consistent roles and minutes every single night, you are more equipped to change up your game plan and look for different teams. And right. so you can say, you know, exactly what you're saying. Let's say you get in the first round against, uh, God forbid, Dallas or something, then you might have a group of seven guys eight guys that you're like this i know helps us with what we want to do against dallas and then you get to the next round and it's new orleans and you're like okay i've got these other guys that i know work really well against what they do and so it's it's great to have that option yeah unrealistic but would be the pie in the sky um <laughs> sort of result of this season um yeah. so I'm going to ask you two questions and then I'm going to give you the results. I ran a couple Twitter polls yesterday mm -hmm. and it got a, quite a bit of hubbub for some reason. People thought I was trying to trade both players. I don't know. It was weird. Um, and then I got, anyway, whatever. It doesn't matter what happened in my Twitter mentions. So my first question to you is, do you feel an emotional connection to Paul George as though he had been a Clipper for his entire career? Um, no, I don't feel that way with Paul George. I love Paul George, but it doesn't feel like he's been on the Clippers forever. Interesting. It does to me. Paul George feels like a Clipper. Okay. Do you have an emotional connection to Kawhi as though he had been a Clipper for his entire career? More so than Paul George. Interesting. Okay. I have the opposite. Kawhi feels like a mercenary. So for me, it's because the hunt and connection started before he was on the Clippers. And so there was already, it's almost like he was a season ahead of Paul George in terms of the Clipper connection. And then, you know, that night that we just passed the anniversary of, it was like, oh, Kawhi, holy shit, and Paul George, where that was never part of like the equation, right? And so for me, it was the like, Kawhi's a Clipper, Kawhi's a Clipper, Kawhi's a Clipper, like leading up to that actual decision. And then Paul George was like, the surprise guest. Hey, I'm here too, you know? And featuring, so that's what yeah, it is. Featuring yeah, George. exactly. That, that, that's what it is for me. Um, obviously we, we have seen, and it was, you know, that like the, the beginning of this era was Kawhi on the floor. Paul George wasn't ready to play yet. And so like that kind of kicked it off. And so it just mentally in my head, you know, granted they, they've both been on the team the same amount of time. It feels like Kawhi has been here longer. Interesting. Emotionally, I feel like Paul George is more of a Clipper than Kawhi is. And I think that's just kind of like the packaging, messaging, marketing. Yeah. Paul George seems to be much more involved, seems to be much more of like, a, I'm going to rep the Clippers till I die, whatever, all that stuff, right? Um, so the polls came back. 83.7% said yes to Paul George, and 58% said yes to Kawhi. 
So I yeah, thought that was going to be closer to 50-50 for the Kawhi one because, I don't know, it just to me it feels like Kawhi was a mercenary. Yeah. I, for me, too, it's it's a bit of a personal thing. Like, I think that I relate to Kawhi more than I do to Paul George. Like, I love that it's this, like, you know, you don't get, I'm not letting you into my personal life. That's not my job to let you into that. Um, and, like, you know, like you said, like, I and, and I get that the Paul George thing when you're a fan of a team, you love to see a player, you know, rep your team off the court and like have all this love for it. And that's great. And that and that rules. And and it's super fun to see. But there's a part of me with like Kawhi not doing that as much that I find extremely endearing and connect with because like I've worked for companies that are like, oh, we have all these free take this free shirt, you know, and I'm like, I'm not fucking wearing this like ever like I like, no, I I'm here for a paycheck. I don't need to advertise for you. You have money to advertise for yourself. I'm not doing that. And like, I'm not saying that's Kawhi's mentality, but I've made that connection. I've projected that. And I'm like, I kind of love that. Yeah. So you feel more connected to Kawhi because he has less of a clipper than Paul George. No, I get it. You feel like he's more of a clipper <laughs> because you think he's less of a clipper than Paul. I love it. No, it's great. Really great uh, <laughs> thought process there. Um yeah, dude, he just like says, fuck the team. Like, I'm not even going to rep you. And I'm like, yeah, dude, that's the Clipper way. Hell yeah. So let's let's move on. <laughs> to I see what you're doing here, but I'm not going to stop it. <laughs> you feel the same way about this podcast as Kawhi does about the Clippers. Okay, so. Let's get the track. You forget, I have cats. I have the cat mentality of like, that's meh, true. Whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Pet me if you want. <laughs> But mostly just leave me alone. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. Track of the week. What Let's is your track of the week? Uh, so I have been listening to I don't know what it was. Something something got got me on this kick. Listening to a bunch of like classic country, like old country from like the sixties and seventies. And uh, I've been listening to a lot of Marty Robbins, who's like a very classic, iconic country singer. And the song "Big Iron" is like. It's exactly what you think of with like the, you know, grainy film of a, a cowboy out in the desert uh, showing up to like a small town with like the saloon and all that. And it's a story about, uh, you know, a guy that goes and grabs this outlaw from who's hiding out in this tiny town um, with the big iron on his hip, which is why it's called Big Iron. And it's that quintessential. You could probably without even hearing it, imagine what the song sounds like in your head. And it just. You know, when you get in a zone, you're like, I want to hear a very specific type of song, a very yep. specific type of music. And then when you get it, it just completely scratches that itch. And that's what this song did for me. Marty Robbins, huge piece of shit as a person, but wrote exactly what I wanted to hear when I'm like, I want to hear some classic country. Sick, dude. Sick. I'm not a big country guy. I think older country, I vibe with a little bit more. Um, yeah. I also vibe with bluegrass, which is funny. I've told that to people like, I don't like country music, but I like bluegrass. So like, isn't that just yeah. like super, isn't that country on steroids? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like, but it just, it goes hard. It's like, different. Bluegrass goes hard. And like, yeah, country music it's very different. Is, yeah. Anyway. Um, dude, they shred those banjos in bluegrass. Um, okay. So when I, when I lived up in the Bay Area every year, um, they have a free festival in Golden Gate Park called Hardly Strictly Bluegrass. Um, and it's not just bluegrass. That's why it has the name that it does. Right. Uh, I saw MC Hammer play at Hartley Strictly Bluegrass. Right. But um, they also have like Merle Haggard and like all of these like old just, you know, icons come and play. And yeah, like some of those, you know, who actually saw their rip. You're talking about banjos. Uh, Steve Martin. Steve Martin rips performed. on the banjo, dude. He yeah. is so and good. He, yeah. Shredder. Shredder on the banjo. Face melting banjo player, Steve Martin. Truly, I read I read that how he taught himself was he got a banjo when he was a kid. He would put on like bluegrass records, like banjo records and play them at a very slow speed and sit there and pick out every note and then would speed it up a little bit and play along until he can play at regular speed with the records. And that's how he taught himself. That's super sick. I love Steve Martin, by the way. His novels are great. I think he's very funny. Um, His music is good. My track of the week. I was in yeah. Seattle last weekend. Um, I got the quintessential Seattle experience where I, when I landed, first day, it was beautiful. Went straight to Starbucks. The sun was out. 
No, I didn't go straight to Starbucks. Um, <laughs> uh, Jeff Bezos came and implanted a chip in me. No. Um, sun was out. The air was crisp. It was like the perfect temperature. You know, you're yeah. going down. You're walking around the beach. You're whatever. And you're like, man, this is the most beautiful place I've ever been. I forget, you know, how beautiful it is and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I was there with my partner and she was like, oh, I could see myself living here. And I was like, yeah, it's so great, right? And then the next day we wake up and it was like 65 and just wet. And like there's something <laughs> specific about Seattle where it's not rain. It's just wet. You're just yeah. wet. You go outside. Everything's wet. You're wet. It's all it's like really dreary. And like the whole city just feels different. You feel like you're in this like post apocalyptic like depression. It's just it's bad. It's just and I was like, oh, this is why I left. This is why I couldn't live up here. Is because it's like this <laughs> 300 fucking days of the year. Why am I yeah. here? Anyway, that level of, you know, mental breakdown bred a pretty sick music scene for a little while there. Um, and my favorite band to come out of it is Soundgarden. I think Soundgarden was the best of the grunge bands, mostly because I don't think you can technically count Alice in Chains. Um, but, you know, those two I think were the best. And yeah, Beyond the Wheel by Soundgarden is okay. my track of the week. Uh, I miss Chris Cornell. He was one of my music heroes, and mm. that song rips. And his voice is maybe the most powerful voice, other than Freddie Mercury in rock music, in my opinion. Wow, that's a big statement. That's, that's my really point. Big that's statement. my opinion. Okay, all right. Um, well, you've had a lot of bad ones on this episode, so I'm glad that you're uh, just keeping with the brand recognition. I'm going to fight you in the street. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to fight you. In the wet Seattle as, streets, I will fight yeah, you. Yeah, as Soundgarden plays in the background. That's right. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, good. I'm glad you had a, a, at least somewhat of a good time in Seattle. I always like visiting Seattle. Um, I'm I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum. I Because, I you know, grew up in L.A., live in L.A. now. I I love visiting a place where I'm like, oh, yeah, it's not pleasant and 70 all the time. Like, I like that. Give me the like cold, gloomy weather. Like, you know, obviously there's a lot of uh, a lot of Irish uh, lineage in my blood. And so I'm yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is literally what I my people were bred for is this type of weather. So um, I feel very comfortable in it for sure. Ladies and gentlemen, um, glutton for punishment. Brian Cullen. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly. Uh, yeah. No pushback on that one. Well, speaking to the ladies and gentlemen, thank you all for joining us this week and listening to this episode. We appreciate all your support. Uh, remember to go ahead and hit subscribe wherever you're listening to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review. Uh, those things really help us out in a very up, big uphill battle against the algorithms. If you want to take your support for this independent commercial-free show, just another step further, you can head over to patreon.com slash clipsetpod and sign up to become one of our paid patrons. When you do so, you get a shout out on the show when you sign up. You get to submit your questions to our mailbag episodes. You also get first access to our mailbag episodes. Uh, and you get to know that you are keeping us ad free and supporting uh, two struggling independent people doing this show um mostly because we love it but also because uh of of people that that sign up at patreon and, and support us through there so if you're already doing that thank you so much joseph do we have any shout outs this week we do not i just want to add if you uh, want to keep us away from the clutches of the power hungry people over at <laughs> 213 hoops please sign up to our patreon if five people sign up before our next episode I will publicly apologize for my John Wall rant in the majority of this episode. Wow. Wow. Interesting. Um, let's do that. If we get 20, he's got to he's got to get a custom made John Wall Clippers jersey. If and if we it. get 100 new signups, I will I will get all of John Wall's tattoos. OK, if we get 100 <laughs> new patrons, I will just cover myself in John Wall's tattoos. How do you feel? But real quick, we didn't touch on this. How do you feel about him wearing 11? Is that sacred to Jamal Crawford or is that number up for grabs? I could care less. Numbers okay. are numbers. Right. The only one you can't touch is Blake. That's it. That's the only one that matters to me. Fair enough. Uh, well, thank you, everybody. Appreciate you so much. We will be back soon with an all new episode covering all the offseason madness 
for the Los Angeles Clippers. Dude, we didn't even mention it. it's the Ontario Clippers now. That's the right. We changed its name. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll have some summer league games under our belt. Get to see, uh, you know, first time seeing Jason Preston in a year. Uh, see what he looks like and and, uh, you know, the return of Xavier Moon and some other guys that we can take a look at. But thank you all so much for joining us. Until the next episode, remember to always, always wash, rinse, sanitize, repeat. And if you don't, Donald's going to win. And that's a fact.